Hello. Hi. I'm Sasha. And I'm Ezra. And welcome to another episode of our podcast. Concerning climate. Today, we have Dr. Alexander Gunderson. Dr. Alexander Gunderson is an assistant professor at Tulane. His field of research includes physiological and evolutionary ecology, global change biology, and herpetology. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. What kind of work do you do? I study how animals adapt to the climates that they live in, and then also how climate change might impact them. So what is your definition of climate change? To me, climate change is sort of any any change in the patterns of temperature or precipitation really are are what we typically think of with respect to um, the term climate change. How can climate change affect animals? Climate change can affect animals in a lot of different ways. So animals are, you know, all the processes that are happening in animals are temperature dependent and that includes human beings. So when, when environmental temperatures change, it changes the way chemical reactions happen within, within animals. And especially in the animals that I work on, lizards and other reptiles, they're really dependent on the environment to dictate what their body temperature is. So if the environment changes, it's gonna have a direct effect on the, on the conditions, on the temperature that their body is, and then essentially their, their physiological health. What kind of changes are you seeing in cold-blooded animals due to climate change? So there are a couple of different things that we're, we're seeing in general with animals in response to climate change. And the, are, they, they seem to be changing when and where they're active. So things are getting warmer in the spring, for example, at, at higher latitudes, like in the United States, Um, It's getting warmer in the spring earlier. So things tend to be coming out earlier and going into hibernation or or their sort of resting winter stage um, later. We're also seeing animals at a sort of smaller scale are changing where they, sort of where they hang out in their habitats. Animals that used to be, especially lizards that usually hang out in the sun, for example, in Basque, as air temperatures get warmer, that basking being in the sun is too hot. So they start moving into the shade, for example. And we're also seeing changes in the the broad geographic distribution of animals. So animals are moving on average, they're moving to higher and higher latitudes or higher altitudes where the environment is cooler. Um, What animals are particularly vulnerable to climate change? There have been a few studies that have looked at this in terms of sort of what's the most vulnerable type of organism. And there are certainly the organisms that I study, reptiles and amphibians seem to be quite vulnerable to global change and to climate change. There uh, are some estimates that by the, end of the, by the end of this century, up to 40% of lizard populations will go extinct as a result of only warming and not considering kind of all the other things that we do to the change of the environment. And amphibians, their populations are um, decreasing really rapidly. So certainly the organisms I study seem to be 
affected greatly. Um, and, but there's evidence for really a lot of organisms that, you know, in, in general, climate change um, seems to be not great for most things. Do changes in cold-blooded animals um, and extinctions of their species create other ripple effects in the environment, for instance, to other plants and animals? Definitely. When we see, you know, plants and animals are within kind of webs of interactions with other species, right? So pretty much, you know, every animal is um, prey for and they feed on something else, you know, at a sort of lower, lower level in the food chain. So when something goes extinct, then that, those interactions change, right? So they're not eating the thing that they used to be eating. So that thing might increase in population size. Um, and the thing that was eating them could be really negatively affected by that because then they don't have anything to eat, right? So there are a lot of because all life is essentially in this interconnected web, when something is removed from it, there are a lot of consequences of that. So what is the most interesting thing you've learned from your research? The most interesting thing I've learned, that's a really good question. Um, uh, let's see, I have to think about that for a second. I think the most interesting thing I've learned is how sort of in the sort of broader sense, um, sort of evolutionary sense over long time scales, how adaptable animals are. Um, they seem to, you know, they're, they're sort of evolving in response to very fine scale differences in, in their environments. Um, the question that we're sort of posed with now with respect to climate change is, is can they do that fast enough? You talked about uh, them uh, evolving. What kind of uh, evolving do you see happening due to climate change? When we think about evolution and climate change, there's a few different types of traits that we think about evolving sometimes, but in terms of sort of the work that I do in physiology, what we think about is essentially the, the, the temperatures that the animals can, the sort of maximum temperatures that the animals can tolerate. So if your environment gets warmer, then there might be variation among the animals in, in among the individuals in a population. Some of them can tolerate higher temperatures, some can tolerate low. And it might be that the animals that can tolerate higher temperatures are the ones that survive and are more likely to reproduce. And then as a result of that, the population evolves moving forward. And there's some evidence for um, high temperatures uh, inducing natural selection and some evidence for, for evolution in response to, to changing conditions. I've seen this, be, I've, this has been happening a lot lately where in the summer, um, it may go down to like 30 degrees and in the winter it goes up to 60. How does the, like, how do you, do, how does those like one day, shocks to the temperature affect um, plants and animals? That's a great question. One of the consequences of climate change is that there's more variability in, in the climate. We get things, you know, a lot of people have heard of polar vortex, like the polar vortex, for example, where really cold temperatures come down much further south than they normally would. 
And there's some good evidence that that's actually a result of warming at higher latitudes, uh, balance and pressure that that's creating in the climate system. So that is for many organisms and many plants and animals thought to be a problem, right? You're sort of, we all sort of acclimate in some way to the prevailing conditions, right? When it's warm out when, during the summer, you experience maybe, you know, something that's in the fall would be considered warm, but to you, it feels really cold, right? And if you're in the winter and it's really cold and then it gets to like maybe 50 or 60 degrees, um, that suddenly feels really warm. Whereas if you were in the winter, in the summer, it would feel really cold. Animals kind of have that same dynamic where if they're acclimated to one set of conditions and then it rapidly changes to another set, it can be detrimental to them. And they can actually experience, for example, high levels of mortality if they're not adjusted to that condition. Are there any species of animals that will actually benefit from climate change? If so, how? Yeah, this, there's been a lot of research on that also. Of course, when, when things change, there's the potential for some things that are maybe, you can imagine animals, plants and animals and, and all living things are living across their sort of range of habitats that they live in, some of those habitats are gonna be kind of on the edge of what they can tolerate. And some of them are gonna be kind of, you know, just right. So the populations that are maybe living on the edge where it's just a little bit too cold for them, if it gets warmer, that could actually be beneficial for those animals in that spot, for example. And there's been some suggestion that at really at high latitudes, so outside of the tropics and further north, getting towards um, like the, the Arctic in that direction, that some of those plants and animals might actually benefit from warming because the growing season will be longer, for example, um, things like that. So it's, it really is a sort of, in many ways, a case by case basis. So a lot of what we try to do is, is put together all that information and say, on average, does it look like it's gonna be beneficial or not? And on average, the evidence is that it's not gonna be beneficial for most things. So what is your favorite animal that you have studied or researched? Great question. So the, the animals that I, am, that I specialize on are called uh, anolis lizards or anoles. And they occur all over the Caribbean in Central and South America. And there are some species in, in North America as well. And among those, the, my favorite that I've worked with is called Anolis valenciani. It's the Jamaican twig anole. And they don't do anything that's particularly cool. They're just kind of weird looking animals. And I like seeing them and, uh, and, and I like watching them kind of do their thing. What got you interested in, interested in researching this field of biology? I got interested in this. I, I actually started my scientific career expecting to do something completely different. I wanted to study how animals communicate with each other and how they like th things kind of like bird songs and things like that, sort of how they transfer information amongst each other. And it was my first trip to Puerto Rico where I do some research um, and I was gonna study that sort of communication in lizards. And I went to Puerto Rico to study some lizards down there. And I just was really struck by how much temperature variation there was 
across just a small island in Puerto Rico, which got me thinking about how animals deal with temperature, how they adapt to it, and you know, ultimately how those changing conditions due to climate change are gonna affect them. What is the most gratifying part of your research? The most gratifying part to me is, is sort of, I guess there's a point at which in, when you, in which you're doing research where you realize that you've sort of discovered something that nobody else knows, right? Like you, you did an experiment or you measured something that um, nobody else has measured or done an experiment on before and you sort of get those results back and it's really exciting to be able to, to know that you've sort of discovered this thing and that, and that you get to share it with everyone um, and contribute in that way. So what's an example of a thing you found that no one else knows or <laughs> knew before you, like, right before you yeah. sent it out into the world? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. So one of the things sort of in the, what um, we were talking about earlier, these really quick changes in temperature that happen, like during, during a polar vortex, for example, there was one of the species of lizard that I study in Puerto Rico is, was introduced to Florida about 40 years ago. And my collaborator, Manuel Leal, my advisor at the time, Manuel Leal, um, and I were wondering if those animals had evolved to tolerate colder conditions over the last 40 years. Because even though we think of Miami being really warm, it actually gets significantly colder in the winter than it does in Puerto Rico, which is in the tropics. So we actually went and collected animals of this species from Puerto Rico and then the introduced ones in Florida and we measured how much cold they could tolerate. And we found that they could tolerate significantly colder temperatures in Florida, suggesting that over just 40 years, they'd evolved this um, physiological change to be able to tolerate new conditions. And that was really exciting. If you had one piece of advice and or information that you could give to us and to everyone listening, what would it be? I think it would be to take climate change seriously, you know, and think about what you can do to try to move the needle so that we start to sort of collectively um, instituting policies that are gonna help us mitigate this because it really is serious and, and not just for plants and animals, but for us as well. And, and part of that because of how it affects plants and animals that it will have an effect on us. So um, I, I would just encourage everyone to take this very seriously and start looking into ways that, that you can help. So that concludes our interview. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks for having me. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember to follow us on our Instagram at Concerning Climate Podcast and make sure to do good things for the environment. See you later. Bye.